Hello and welcome to the Daily Texan Newscast. I'm Zeke Fritz. And I'm Morgan Keeler. This week on our newscast, we have a report about interfaith activities on the UT campus. It's Friday, April 14th, 2017, and the news is next. The UT Police Department issued a criminal trespass warning to YouTuber Connor Murphy last week after he repeatedly entered Gregory Gymnasium illegally to film videos for his channel. Murphy is best known on YouTube as a prankster and fitness personality, with nearly 700,000 channel subscribers and hundreds of thousands of views per video. Last Monday, a gym staff member called called UTPD after seeing Murphy sneak into the gym and film his videos for the second time this semester. Murphy isn't a student or a staff member, and he didn't have a guest pass or anything, Gonzalez said. That's considered theft of service, when you're supposed to pay for a membership through your fees because the gym isn't open to the public for free. The criminal trespass warning does not require Murphy to pay a fine or appear in court. However, it does restrict him from university property unless he has a reason to be on campus, Gonzalez said. If we see him out here and he's applying to go to school, or applying for a job, or he's here at a baseball game or a concert, we would not arrest him because he's got legitimate business here, Gonzalez said. If he's just out here videotaping like he's been doing for his YouTube channel, we would make an arrest for criminal trespassing. A federal judge struck down a Texas voter identification law Monday for the second time, saying it intentionally discriminated against minority voters. U.S. District Judge Nelva Gonzalez-Ramos repeated her 2014 arguments that a 2011 voter ID law disproportionately barred African American and Latino voters from the ballot. The law passed by a Republican-led state legislature requires voters to present one of six forms of identification, driver's licenses, military IDs, passports, concealed handgun licenses, personal ID cards issued by the Department of Public Safety, or citizenship certificates. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who co-authored the bill, said it would prevent voter fraud, but Ramos says it does not allow a wide range of identification compared to other states with similar laws. The terms of the bill were unduly strict, Ramos wrote in Monday's ruling. Many categories of acceptable photo IDs permitted by other states were omitted in the Texas bill. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said lawmakers are working on a law better suited to survive court scrutiny at a Texas Asian Republican Assembly last Tuesday. Paxton could appeal Ramos's ruling to the U.S. Uh, Paxton could appeal Ramos's ruling to the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which in 2014 asked Judge Ramos to reevaluate her assessment of the law's discriminatory intent. However, law professor Lucas Pau said no matter what the Fifth Circuit rules, either losing party will likely appeal to the Supreme Court. Powell went on to explain that he agrees with Ramos's reasoning because minorities are institutionally economically disadvantaged compared to white voters. Philosophy professor Daniel Bonovic said in an email that Ramos's arguments were weak and didn't identify discriminatory aspect to the law. Any ineligible voter who casts a ballot is nullifying the effect of a legitimate voter's ballot, Bonovic said. If groups opposed to voter ID laws spent a small fraction of the money they spend on legal action to help people without photo IDs get them, the problem would be solved. Sean Sellers, a finance and Plan 2 senior, said he is against Texas's law but understand its intent to... In-
but understands its intent to protect elections. The law is pretty unnecessary because there's very little proof of widespread voter fraud, Sellers said, but I don't think everyone who's in favor of them is necessarily trying to hurt seniors or minorities who don't have as much access or historically not as much. The University of Texas at Dallas will provide students with the chance to live in gender-inclusive housing this upcoming fall semester, causing some UT Austin students to want the same option. Pickrell, director of residential life at UTD, explained that now students are provided a third option on their application if they want to do gender-inclusive housing through residential life. The students, despite what gender they identify as, would be able to room with other students who choose the same option. UTD is the only institution in the UT system to provide this option. However, this could not be confirmed by Jenny Lacoste-Caputo, Executive Director of Media Relations and External Communications for the UT system. At UT Austin, students are provided the option to room with other students who identify as the same gender as them, according to Aaron Voiles, Interim Director for Occupancy Management and Conferences. We use the gender that is on the application or if a student already lives with us, the gender from the registrar, said Voiles, also the Associate Director for Student Learning and Development. If a student were to update their gender marker with their registrar and alert us, we'll work with that student to figure out what the best housing option would be for them. Voiles said that the Division of Housing and Food Service is working with the University Residence Hall Association to provide an option for gender-inclusive housing at the reconstructed Creekside Residence Hall. Although some students see this as a step forward for transgender and non-binary students, others fear that this new housing option would increase the likelihood of a transgender and non-binary student being harassed. Others fear that this housing option would increase the likelihood of transgender and non-binary students being harassed. Voiles said the Division of Housing and Food Services aims to address this fear by working with students one-on-one to make sure they feel comfortable wherever they decide to live. We really want to do what's going to make the student feel safe, Voyle said. Every student has a different level of comfort and everyone has a different expectation of what they want to their living space to be. We're not trying to provide a blanket solution with what to do with individual students. Say goodbye to the Frank Irwin Center. Texas men and women's basketball will have a new home in less than a decade. University President Gregory Fenves held a meeting with members of the university's development board on Friday to discuss details of the proposed on-campus arena, which Fenves expects to be open in the next five to seven years. The campus master plan developed in 2012 called for the land under the Irwin Center to be used for future expansion of the Dell Medical School and the UT Health District. Fenves said to the development board, As we prepare for that, we will also ensure that our outstanding men's and women's basketball programs can continue to compete in a great arena. The new arena's layout and costs have not been released, but the location is fairly certain. Graphics released with Finvez's statement show the new arena located directly south of Mike A. Meyer Stadium and directly east of the Recreational Sports Center. The exact location of what is currently a major source of daily parking for students with a Class C permit, Lot 70. While the day-to-day parking might get even more strenuous for Texas students, making it to both men's and women's basketball games won't. Finvest said that the central location will make game days easier for both fans and players. Coaches Karen Aston and Shaka Smart want the next facility to be on campus, where it is easier for our student-athletes to travel between their dorms, classes, and practice, Finvez said. It also makes games more accessible for our student fans. 
The Irwin Center has held Texas basketball games since 1977 and has been commonly known as a special event center due to the high number of concerts and events held within its doors. Though the new arena fares to be smaller than the Irwin Center, which holds more than the average college arena at a capacity of 16,734. Men's athletic director Mike Perrin said it will still be used for all sorts of entertainment. Our goal is to have an arena on our campus that can provide the platform for a great atmosphere and a positive fan experience for our men's and women's basketball games, Perrin said. While our vision is that the arena be basketball-centric, we look to design it to allow for versatility in hosting other events. Student government had an eventful meeting Tuesday night with six new pieces of legislation on topics from organ donation to underage drinking. SG announced its support of Texas House Bill 1938, which would create an opt-out organ donation policy on driver's license registration, making organ donation the default option on all driver's licenses for those 18 years or older. Nursing senior Kelsey Mumford, representative from the School of Nursing, said HB 1938 is a bipartisan bill still awaiting committee hearing. Assembly Resolution 2 is in support of Texas HB 1999 to reduce the penalty for a minor for purchasing, possessing, or consuming alcohol from a misdemeanor to a civil infraction for the first and second violations. The third violation would remain a Class C misdemeanor, but not result in jail time. In addition, SG introduced AR3 to implement a system to display declared minors and certificates on student transcripts, and AR4 to eliminate guessing penalties on grades in flipped classes in which students learn through out-of-class content. SG proposed AR5, which commemorated Margaret C. Berry, a distinguished alumna who died just after midnight on Sunday at the age of 101, and AR6 in support of UT joining the Energy Olympiad competition and an innovation-based pitch competition to foster energy initiatives. The goal is to put UT as one of the premier energy leaders. Petroleum engineering sophomore Karen Giraffe said, Not only will it put UT on the map as an energy school, it will also help in terms of recruiting bright minds because one component is getting high schoolers involved as well. SG also appointed its new executive board at the meeting. The Macomb School of Business's Bachelor of Business Administration program celebrated its 100th birthday Tuesday night. The Macomb Student Life Organization hosted a birthday party featuring an appearance from Bevo, performances by Texas Cheer and Palm, and speeches by David Platt, Associate Dean for Undergraduate Programs, and alumnus Sam Acho, a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Despite a last-minute change in location because of rain, hundreds of students filled the atrium inside the business building. Platt said that the event is meant to celebrate the current school as well as its history, Although there's nothing particularly magical about one year or another, he does feel honored to be part of Macomb's future. We are revising our strategy for Macomb's, Platt said. We will be targeting entrepreneurship and a collaboration with the Dell Medical School in healthcare. We are also looking at some facility changes like the new MBA building and adding some classrooms in the current building. Platt said the business school will keep its core mission. I am proud of where we are today, Platt said. I hope our students continue to grow into the ideals of the university, which is to serve greater mankind. I hope they go on to have rewarding lives, however they define that. Eric Hunt, Business Council BBA Chair, said the purpose of the event is to show that McCombs cares about its students. Some people think of McCombs as very academic and competitive, said Hunt, supply chain management junior. 
In reality, we want to be more inclusive and collaborative. I think we need to let students know that it's okay to do something other than investment banking or management or consulting. McCombs will support you no matter what you do. At a time when several student organizations are working to encourage conversation about sexual violence, some fear a bill passed by the Senate would halt their progress. Senate Bill 576, authored by Senator John Huffman, a Republican from Houston, will require student organization leaders to report any information they witness or hear regarding sexual assaults to the university's Title IX office. Students in these positions who fail to make a report in a timely manner would be suspended for at least a year and face potential expulsion. Huffman said she hopes the bill would provide a more accurate account of sexual assault occurrences on college campuses. By confronting the prevalence of these crimes through the reporting requirements in this bill, Texas colleges can take their first steps toward eliminating sexual assault and violence, Huffman said last week when the full Senate voted on the bill. Currently, faculty, staff, teaching assistants, and resident assistants are required to report in these instances. Latoya Smith, UT's Title IX coordinator, said failure of these individuals to report known instances result in university disciplinary action ranging from a verbal warning to termination depending on the circumstance. There are no mandatory reporting requirements for students not employed in one of these positions. Meredith McDonald, government junior and president of Not On My Campus, an organization dedicated to promoting conversation about sexual assault prevention, said she believes the bill would discourage survivors who do not want their cases investigated from seeking the help of friends who may hold leadership positions. McDonald said mandatory reporting would change her relationship with those in her organization. It would redefine my role, and it wouldn't let me be so much of a peer and an ally anymore, McDonald said. Smith said she has heard from students that the bill's mandatory reporting requirements may make others more fearful of talking about their sexual assaults. The bill states that these requirements are only applicable to student leaders who obtain information about the incidents of sexual violence while they are acting in their official capacity as an officer of a student organization. Students are acting in this capacity when they are on property owned by the student organization or at an event sponsored by the organization. Senator Kirk Watson, a Democrat from Austin, was the only senator to vote against the bill last Tuesday. Watson said the mandatory reporting requirement for students would go against Huffman's stated purpose of increasing reports to the universities and would instead curb conversations surrounding sexual assaults on campus. An amendment Watson proposed that would have taken out the student reporting requirements failed by a vote of 16 to 13. Last Thursday, the Noasis Mosque, a place of worship for Muslims on campus, hosted its annual interfaith dinner. The purpose of this event is to bring the UT community, composed of various faiths, beliefs, and backgrounds, together for thoughtful conversation and a delicious meal. Nabil Khan, the PR officer of the Noasis Mosque and a sophomore studying electrical engineering here at UT, had this to say about the purpose of the event. So the purpose of this event was mainly to reach out to people of other faiths and cultures and get them to come together at Nuasis Mosque in order to learn about one another in terms of what they believe in and what they practice. This dinner's theme is relationships and religion. The event began with a short icebreaker followed with a panel discussion featuring the community's faith leaders. At this panel, the aim was to discuss how the ties we have with different people in our lives manifest themselves in religious tradition. Our goal for this event was to host it at Nuasis Mosque itself 
and also introduce a panel of speakers. These panelists included speakers from various faiths of the community, which happened to include a Jewish speaker, three speakers from various sects of Christianity, including Lutheran, Presbyterian, and Methodist, and our very own Sheikh Umar to represent the Islamic community, as well as New Oasis Mosque. The event was concluded by breaking for the sunset prayer and then dinner. Although the entire event stands out as something dear to the attendees, one part in particular is Nabil's favorite. If you ask me for my favorite part of the event, I would have to say it would be the dinner, because when you're sitting together with people of different faiths and cultures, you get a real feel for what they're like, and you get to express yourself as well. When asked about the overall influence, importance, and success of the event, Nabil has only praises to sing. As a member of the Nuasis Mosque Executive Committee, I can confidently say that this event was successful, and we really hope to hold it again next year. In fact, we liked it so much that we plan on holding it every semester so that we can better tighten our communities in Austin. For the Daily Texan Newscast, I'm Dariva Khan. And that's it for this week's edition of the Daily Texan Newscast. In the meantime, there is always more news at DailyTexanOnline.com. You can also find the Daily Texan on Twitter, at The Daily Texan, and this and our other podcasts, at Texan Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Daily Texan. Be sure to tune in next week. Bye, guys. Our podcast is written, produced, and recorded exclusively by students. If you enjoy listening to our podcast or consuming other Daily Texan content, please consider pledging to support Texas Student Media financially. Go to www.supportstudentvoices.org to donate. We need our listeners to help us keep our podcast online. Thanks in advance! This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Zeke Fritz and Morgan Kuehler. Our reporter was Dariba Khan. The music was by Jazar. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode, and you can always find more news at dailytexanonline.com.